0: Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the fanalist, Southey, Beaners, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. (laughs) We're back, we're back, we're back. Welcome to Leafs Late Night. I'm your host, Roscoe where it is never too late for the Leafs presented by Inside the Rink. Tonight I am joined by two friends of the show, special guests. We got Chris Hurley and day one fan Lucas Hainsworth all the way from Australia. Thank you for joining me tonight, gentlemen. How is it going? Chris, thank you.
1: you I, I wasn't sure who was gonna hop in. Sorry, but I know it's I. All good.
0: No, I know I do that every time. I'm just like, here's everybody. How's it going? And everyone looks at each other like, you are gonna you you gonna talk first? I'm gonna talk first. Yeah.
1: No. I, hey. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us again, or having me.
0: No, oh, it's a pleasure. Always uh, always like having you on. Let's Lucas, go. how was it? How was it on the other side of the world?
2: It is 30 degrees. It's sunny and. It's a wonderful. And the last time I was on the show, we also that was the crazy Red Wings Leafs game. Remember remember and um, that was also on Hockey Night in Canada. Uh so the last time I was on, we beat the Red Wings and today we did it again. Hooray.
0: That's such a weird coincidence. Yeah, the last time was that that weird ten seven game or whatever, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah.
2: The one with like over nine thousand goals in it. And it was just, yeah, mind mind boggling. And it was also wow. thirty degrees in Australia as well that day, or in my part of Australia on that day too. So it's like the weather is the same and the crazy. Is and the I
0: same. think yeah, it was it was winter here. Yeah. yeah, and you were you had the ducks around. I remember you were. That's right. The... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I
2: had Travis Zegers going off in the background the whole time.
0: <laughs> oh man! So um, so finally the Leafs managed to snap their little uh, their little mini slump, as it was called all over the the media world. So they started off seemed a little slow um before we get to that though it was indigenous night, and we had some pretty cool jerseys that were uh that were worn for the pregame and uh, we were just having a little chat before this, and I figured we'd we'd hit record and get it on here so um so Chris, you were saying that uh they I missed the intro because I was cooking, but uh they skipped over really showing it and just kind of showed a clip and and went right into it yeah
1: in, unless unless there was something i I didn't catch all that I saw was the um uh was it go from studio and then kind of hop right into anthems um and then i did see a clip later where they were showing you know what did partake uh similar to how i think um you know the highlands start typically the beginning of the season with the bagpipes and i think they've slowly cut that out of the broadcast and just kind of make that an in arena experience uh so similar along those lines um that part i didn't I didn't see fully. I just saw a few clips of it. Um, but it was nice to see that they did bring those in. And, man, those those jerseys are
0: oh, beautiful.
2: I, I
1: hear they're getting auctioned off. I kept looking where to find where they're auctioned off. Um, I'm sure I could get a Justin Hall one pretty cheap.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, for the front of it, I would buy whoever's it is at the bottom, even if it they didn't even play tonight. Wait, give me Wayne Simmons that he <laughs> warmed up in.
2: I, uh, no, I... I think that um, the the beautiful thing about it, though, was not just the fact that it was a good-looking jersey. It was the fact that they got a local artist from the community, uh, a member of the tribe who'd worked on it and kind of done some thought about it and you know used the traditional name for the Toronto area um, and really reflected upon what their identity is. And I think that if they just cut to the drumming and stuff, they're probably not really utilising or kind of really taking it to the next level when it comes to presenting Indigenous night. I think that they had some really good steps. Like I know that they did a camp, like a little kind of um, session up with some kids in a kind of more remote area to teach them hockey. Uh, and also, I think that they also had some some kind of necklace that was done by some of the, the elders in the, in the tribe as well, which was given to the players, which was customized. And that's really cool. Um, but there's a lot of thirst out there for all the merchandise, like the hats and stuff. I woke up at quarter to eight in the morning here, and there was everything was gone. And apparently, uh, they dropped to like two thirty in the morning my time, and everything had gone straight away. And everything in the real sports shop at the arena had sold straight away. So I think that Unreal. this is something that you know there's a real thirst for, and I think that it's not just about selling merchandise and stuff, but I, th- I think that and, and maybe this is kind of me just projecting but there's a real thirst in australia to reconcile with our first nations people and to have an understanding of their culture and unique identity and maybe that's also reflected in what you guys have over there what do you think
0: yeah i think it's definitely similar sentiment here and what a a great way to show that off by being able to to buy and wear a jersey like this and i feel like it's the same with um i remember there was a Vancouver Canucks pride jersey where they had like their logo and it was all rainbow designed and I I can't remember the name of the artist. I do follow them on Twitter and I'll have to put it in the uh, description here when I find them. But uh there's there's a lot of these jerseys they wear for the warm-up games that all always highlight different things whether it's, you know, Hockey Fights Cancer Night or, you know, supporting the troops or it's Indigenous Night or it's it's Pride Night. And I I feel like there's never enough uh broadcast attention. Like we're saying here, like they should if it's a night about bringing awareness to that like it should be more than the sixteen thousand people that are there it should be about the millions of people watching the game like i mean i feel like you're just losing out on a massive audience there and like you said by making these things available it like i know i'm I'm not trying to steer it away from it being about indigenous rights here but like no matter what it is you want to support if you make these things available to people and they can support their team while also bringing attention to something that they care about I think it's it's kind of a missed opportunity there and I wish they would make these more widely available than just you know auctioned off for tens of thousands of dollars to whoever can afford them it's
2: it's I know that um oh sorry you go
0: Chris. yeah I was just
1: going to throw in there I think um I and not trying to you can definitely leverage the uh interest in these items um for good as well so do, donating so you know in Canada, probably there's a lot of uh, issues with like clean drinking water uh, per se, in, in some of these areas where it's like we could leverage the um, really the uh, the insanity of how people were with these designs. I know I saw the hats already on eBay for five times the price. Uh, somebody tweeted out, um, and you know, look at what the NBA does, where they create all these extra jerseys, and if it's a jersey for that, and if it's a league wide you know, um, whether it be a pride night or an indigenous night or something like that and broadcast it for the whole thing and create and really work with local artists and create that and then take pr- proceeds from that and cont- continue to um, uh, to give back to the community. Um, I think we saw it with uh, um, borier with the ALS is that there was, uh, I think it's Flo Jergensen who does the Uh, Some of the coolest signs where he he was doing, he did his own thing and he said all proceeds are going that like, and people still bought up that he made a great design and stuff, but it's the root cause of what people also want to support on the same side too. So it it is unfortunate that it seems like, oh, it's warm up and it's, and that's it. It's dead. It's like really the NHL forces the retro reverse retro jerseys on everybody, which has no similar meaning to anything. The Leafs are wearing it two times this year. Meanwhile, we have a great opportunity like this, and we're like, "Yeah, warm ups only, limited run." We're like, "We could do so much more here." What? Why are we? Are we falling short every time?
2: I would love to see it, like in a winner classic and i would also like to see and maybe uh, maybe this is me bringing my, my Australianness to it again but b- before there are significant games in australia we have like what's called and i don't know if you have this in, over there as well we have like a welcome to country and part of that welcome to country is someone from the tribe or the clan or the, the group coming and saying that you know i'm this person this is the land that i grew up on and this is my land and we welcome you here today to play here and to to kind of teach people about what it means to be on this land and what it means to be part of it and to i think that also like because i I feel first nations people are really interested in us learning about their story and about what's going on in their background it's that's how they can get reconciliation is by increasing the awareness but also trying to understand what that identity is and by wearing that uniform more than once but you know, wearing it to many games and people buying it and wearing it like you'd just buy something off the rack. Um, it has a unique identity and that'll always go with it. Like there's no such thing as like, you know, the Mississauga of the credit from a different state or a different area or a different province. It's really unique. And I think in a market where you've got 32 hockey teams, you've got 32 football teams, you know, however many base basketball teams, having this is a real good way of differentiating your brand and also showing that your brand cares about something. So I think that they should take this to the next level. They should put they should Thelma and Louise put their foot to the floor and just go as fast as they can with it.
0: Yeah, and just two things I want to add there. So the first, just kind of similar to the welcome to country thing, um, I don't know if you'd be familiar with what they do in Canada here, but um, at least in Ottawa, uh, if you go to anything that's a large sporting event or entertainment event here they'll always start off by someone will say over the announcements or something that you know this is being held on unceded Algonquin territory like that's always made a big point of any any event here whether it's you know at the Canadian Tire Centre for the Sens or it's at you know the college for some concert or something um, but the other thing that I thought they could have done tonight is I know they have a a hockey night in Canada format that they like to follow but if you're trying to put a focus on something like why not bring some indigenous hockey commentators on to join the panel, like shake things up a bit. And instead of just doing the the, the 32 thoughts podcast for the second intermission, like do something different, like go down to the ice level and, and see what's going on there and and have like, you know, interaction with what this night is about instead of just, you know, I, I know we all want to talk about the gold medal and they can definitely do that. But, you know, talk about it with indigenous people. Um, sports commentators that obviously exist out there because that's a whole broadcast, right? So,
2: a bit like uh, Punjabi, night with uh, Hanarayan, Ryan, right?
0: Exactly. I think there was just yeah. kind of a, a missed opportunity to, to make this into more of a night. And I mean, I'm not trying to like shove causes down people's throats, but I feel like if you're gonna make the night Indigenous Night, then then go all in on it, right? If you want to bring attention to something, don't don't go, you know, don't put a tailwind, dive into it.
2: Yeah, i just kind of nuance that and say I was really impressed with what they've done so far. I just think that – I think next year is – like they've really set it up nicely, but next year they can really take it to the next level, I feel. Yeah. I'm, I'm not unhappy with how they dealt with this year, and I think that the designs that that artist did that uh, – I think his name's Tyson. Tyson um, – Amazing artwork, you know, beautiful designs. Everyone loves it. And, you know, here's a credit to his people for the work he's done. And the, the amount of awareness, just the amount of engagement you've seen from it. Like you've seen First Nations people having their voice shown and, and watched by millions of people on TV. You know, we people normally kind of quite close to these things and don't have an interaction with, with these kind of concepts, I guess. Maybe it's different there, but... Yeah, and no, I guess really
0: I'm, I'm I'm not trying to take away from what the Leafs did from tonight because I think they did a really good job. I think it's it's more from the broadcast side and emphasizing what it is that the Leafs are trying to do tonight. And I feel like that can be done for any team that is having a you know special awareness night. I think the broadcast should be you know putting a little more emphasis on that instead of just rehashing what they do every time. But you know, yeah. good things and uh, and some uh, positive things for next time. Totally. So to the game, Leafs come out of the gate, uh a little slow, um getting one one shot in the first, I don't know, what was it, fifteen two. minutes?
2: Two shots two, in the first period.
0: Two through the the whole period, but the second one yeah. came pretty late. I don't know, thirty seconds so, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris, I'll throw this to you first. What uh what do you think was the problem here out of the gate?
1: Uh let's see, we saw we saw a lot of power play time. Um, I think we had, well, we had one power play and then we had one uh, soft call and then saw soft, even softer makeup call uh, go the other way. Sometimes they just seem, I don't even think they came out of the gate. I think they were still on nap time. I don't know what they were doing. It looked awful. Shots were, um, I think shots were there. I didn't have a look to see shot attempts um, that didn't really register as shots because uh, I felt like they were taking them. They just one weren't either getting through um, from the point, or they were missing. I think I, I saw William Nylander shoot wide a couple times. Uh, Matthew shot, yeah, Matthew shot wide. Uh, a couple tips came and then hit Tavares, and then just kind of fell down at his feet, and nothing really uh, mustered from that. And so it it was just, um, I guess in a way, the bounces weren't going their way, but they they just they weren't locked in at all. They just they needed to hit that intermission and get something to wake them up and I think they, they got it, but yeah, it just wasn't a, wasn't a bright first period for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, going on the power play 55 seconds in most side are going down for tripping on Nylander. And then, uh, like you said, Wallman goes for hooking on Marner and what I felt happened, you know, maybe I'm just being tinfoil hat here, but it seemed like the two refs were in a bit of a disagreement. And so one, the one that was right in front of this didn't call it, but the one on the other side did. So then it it felt like right after when he was like, okay, if you're going to call my penalties, then I'm going to call yours. So the guy, when when Marner, um, who was it? Matthews, Matthew's uh, gets tied up with Cobb. They called him for tripping from the other side. I'm like, are these guys just going to try to one-up each other all night? Is this going to become a rough pissing contest? like? I, it, I don't know it was frustrating so a lot of four on four tonight it was uh it was kind of slow to watch right
2: i think it got better as it aged
0: yeah i, I, like I mean first guys. period was first period was definitely uh hard to get things going i mean the the red wings came out with a lot of blocks there too so yeah i mean once once things started up it was you know game on from there but man it's it's weird that uh they just just weren't feeling it for the last what's that seven <laughs> seven periods,
2: yeah. I oh, think well. five goals in a, five goals in a row had been scored against the Leafs, which was yeah. the season high. And um I, I got to be—I didn't take any notes for this because I was with the kids uh, all, all game. But I think the one thing that stood out was the the lack of awareness on the um, on the power play. So when we're on four on four, transitioning back to being five on four, I don't think Sammy. Made any noise when uh, the penalty box is being opened, so therefore Justin Hall was kind of like not really paying any attention to to the new attacker on on the ice, and that's why they got the uh, they got the heads up there. Yeah, yes.
1: yeah. The, the broadcast did bring it up, where it's like, um, or, or a few people on Twitter where it's like, "Hey, Hall Giordano's got to be aware of it." But I did not hear a single. Normally you're always, you're always hearing the goalie whack in his stick to kind of signal, "Hey, penalties. Kind of, you got five seconds here." Um, And there was nothing, and he slipped right behind Gio, and then curled up right behind Hall, and then the stretch pass came. It was just, uh, yeah, something between the ears there was was just not working.
0: The only thing I can think is because, like they did mention on the broadcast, like it was Wallman that went to the box. He's a defenseman. There were already two defensemen on. He started skating to the bench, and he was almost there. And he was like a feet, a foot or two away and he just went, oh shit, I'm open. I'm just going to call for it instead of hopping onto the bench. So I think everybody kind of thought he was just going to come out and go right in. So, I mean, it, it is weird that Sammy didn't signal that the penalty was over. But yeah, it's it was just kind of a split second decision there by Wallman who uh, ends up scoring in front of a bunch of his friends and family, Toronto boy. So there's always, <laughs> it's like they're either from Toronto or they played for Toronto, right?
2: Locking those bets every game. That's They're the center of the hockey universe, mate.
0: Yeah, man. I'm just looking. <laughs> I don't think there is anybody, correct me if I'm wrong, otherwise on the Detroit Red Wings that played for the Leafs. There's no one that played for the Leafs. Just Monsieur uh, Wallman, who was from Toronto.
2: All, all I can think of is that Samsonov thought because the penalties, the, the equaling up penalty on Matthews was like so quickly after the original call, he's like, maybe we can just deal for three seconds or whatever. But And that's why I didn't make the noises. That's all I can think of because that's,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Second periods where uh, the Leafs finally wake up and uh, get back on their, what is it, the, the scoring differential that they've been known for in the second. So a couple days, a uh, couple games of slumping there, getting. Back to uh, form finally, so Riley to Matthews to Marner for his fifteenth and making it five hundred points. Holy moly! I I loved I, I his just, celebration there,
1: where he's just like it wasn't. So it, it was just like this very subtle like ooh like <laughs> that's the way he was. He was just like basking in it for a second. Like it, it, there was no you know excitement or anything. He was just like that was just. Something cold about it that uh, that was also not uh, uh, typical Marner as well. You know, gr- gritty after winning, you know, first star kind of uh,
0: vibe, so. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he gets named to the all-star team and just, I think it's feeding him. He's getting back, back to, uh, after that, the uh, point streak he was on ended, it felt like he, you know, not that he was off, but his confidence was just a little like shit. I'm not invincible anymore. And that was hitting him. But, uh, you know, he gets named to the all-star team. And I was like, nah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good.
2: <laughs> Did you see, um, it was hard for me to watch
0: because I was outside with the kids <laughs> splashing
2: around the pool. But I think I saw Matthews fish the puck out of the net. And then as he's coming back, circling back to the bench, he kind of pretended to chuck it over the glass to, to fans. And then kind of, yeah. no, 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 I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's nice. It just shows that like, the the friendship is a genuine friendship, and you can like I don't know if it's the same, but in Australia, if you don't if you really like someone, you tease them, and that's a way of showing that you have a lot of affection for them. So I just thought that's a really nice little moment there as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. Oh.
2: <laughs>
1: fun, fun. Mitchy is the Mitchy we want. We don't want serious Mitch because that's where he's holding all the weight, uh, and everything. We want him to be loose. We want him to have fun. Because um, that's when you see peak Mitch. Uh, you see the creativity start to come through um, and just really help generate that offense for the team.
0: That's a great way to put it. Because as soon as he gets in his head, is when things start going south for him. And having fun is just that's what he's got to do. Just have fun and play the game that he loves playing. And it's uh, what he's been doing all year fighting for the puck. The amount of plays he's made while not on his feet this year is crazy. Everybody's given Connor Bedard credit for one hook pass. I'm like, hasn't Marner done that like a couple times this year? (laughs) Just
1: me. He's done it. He's done it quite a few. Yeah. He's uh, always trying to create something out of nothing.
0: Yeah. So Matthews at uh, 27 assists on the year, and Riley uh, picking up a point there as well. As I said, he finally had a good game. I think he's getting back to form. They had him on PP one, splitting up the five forwards. Finally. I don't think it was working, but uh, I mean, they still went one for five tonight again.
1: Yeah. yeah the, the I think I find the problem with the five fours is, and Riley doesn't fully solve this, is there's, there's never a threat of a shot from the blue line. Um, it's yeah. just, okay, I'm, I'm looking, I'm either going down left to the triangle or right to the triangle, and they're going to feed either uh, down low or high slot, right? Like it's just, like it's, it feels like us at home can predict it. It's so simple that. That um, they're not really creating any havoc um, in in the defensive zone on uh, for the four defenders, and it's just it's nice that I I don't want to see five forwards ever again, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. I mean, I I tried to find a positive and think like, look, if they keep running it, maybe they'll find a, a pattern here that works. But that's that's a good point. Like the not having a shot from the point there is. Is really what makes this so predictable, and that's every night what they say is you know everybody can can read what the Leafs power play is going to do. So here we are again, where they're uh, under twenty five percent on the night, and uh, not that they, not that four one is a bad thing, but if you could have run away with this in the first period, it would have been an easier game. Just saying. Yeah,
2: I think um, it's nice that Riley's getting a chance out on PP one. Is uh. They're trying to put him back into the into the lineup and give him a bit more confidence. And Keith kind of just pushing him a bit more and making him get a bit more involved might be a bit of a. I know there's been a lot of talk about how Riley's kind of come back from his injury with a bit of a hangover or a bit of a conditioning issue. So I think that it's nice to get him around with the big boys and give him a shot at trying to get his groove back, you know? Because you know, defensively, it does look a bit different out there, especially last couple of games.
0: Yeah. And I mean, look, he had that big shot that uh, Holmberg tipped in for uh, I'm getting ahead to the third period there, but he he did have a good offensive night. But uh, it's it's still not the same as having somebody that, you know, you're worried about taking that big shot from the point the whole time in the power play that it's like, shit, I don't know who to cover. And that's the whole advantage of having an extra person out there is they don't know who to cover. But, you know, when it's somebody back there that, you know, is just going to move the puck, whether it's Marner or it's Riley, like, you know, it's pretty predictable. It's
1: it's just keeping them on their toes and keeping them honest, right? If if all of a sudden, so sometimes the puck gets the Riley stick and it seems like he's like taking a second to analyze everything versus like having one outlet and if it's not there, shooting. Um, and it, it's just you got to keep them honest and when you're not doing it so often, like you know if I, if you guys watch football at all, it's you have to run the ball, you have to pass the ball to keep the defense on the toes. If you keep running it and you keep getting stopped, and well, they probably think you're going to run it again, so it's 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 not going to be any more successful. So you got to have a little bit of misdirection there, and I just don't know if um, Riley sometimes bring that. I, I like Sandine for that. Like Sandine, I felt was doing pretty good when he was kind of sliding in uh, when we had some injuries and was he was either like, okay, give me the puck, I'll get it quickly over to the other side, like, and then if it's like, oh, I know it, they're kind of creeping over. Okay, now I'm just going to rifle a shot. Like it was that simple. Well, you know what's.
0: You know what's weird though is the the power play is predictable but the, and and doing, you know, like you just said, but the penalty kill has been doing a lot of misdirection and moving the puck around ways that you wouldn't expect them to. Like, you know, they were playing around in the offensive zone and then moving it back to their own end a couple times and, you know, the person would start moving towards the uh the zone to clear and then they would move it back again, like just killing 15-20 seconds by just playing it back and forth. And it seems that they they can get creative on the penalty kill and find offense and defense and kill time and control the zone. But then when it gets to the power play, when they have a man up, it's it's just that whole mentality disappears. Yeah, very rigid. And it's weird because we're be the same coach.
2: <laughs> I think you're onto something though, Chris, because um, the last the, I, the first period of tonight and the last two games were kind of really heavy where there was a lot more checking and there was a lot more aggression on the core check from the opponents. And if you look at... Um what New Jersey did with their like 13 or 14 game win streak, too, they're always really quick and they're always up in your face, right? So I think the Leafs need to kind of figure out a way to adjust to those kind of things. And also that's the same with the power play too, in that obviously there's something that's not working or it's not stagnant it's, it's kind of stagnating a little bit. you know, we don't know who the threat is. Um, maybe we need to strategically kind of regroup and, and try and show a different look out there. Uh, because once people figured out what New Jersey was doing, it was able to be stopped and the, and we we broke their win streak. And then after that, they kind of went on a bit of a slide and we played out in a different way to, to everybody else. And the way that the St. Louis blues played and the way that the Kraken played against us was kind of very similar. And then the way that, you know, Detroit started tonight on us felt a bit similar too. Um, but then uh, whatever happened in the second period, it kind of seemed to be like a release valve had been broken or something. I just felt that there's kind of like people think that there's the playbook on how to play the Leafs, especially when it comes to PP1. Um, maybe that's what, you know, Keith's got to figure out.
1: I I, th- I don't even know if there's a playbook in a sense where I think the Leafs, like similar to back to, they seem so stiff. It's like they're, they're able with their skill to keep such good control in the offensive zone with the puck. and um, But then it's like, okay, you know um, – you know, Marner has it, uh, on the half wall. Okay. He's there. He's got it on the half wall. And then he's like, he's just looking at like the three spots waiting for something to open, like keep moving it around. Keep like the defenseman can almost just stand in one place at that point. Um, and it's like, okay, we'll we'll pass it up to Riley and Riley's like, okay, now I'm going to stand here and look for everybody. Uh, nope, it's not. Okay. Let's pass it to the other half wall. Mm, Nope, nothing. It just feels so weird that we're, we're so strong like that yet you could it's like you can lock in a power play goal every time by it feels like almost instant automatic by Ovechkin by standing on one spot and then cycling and moving cycling and moving drawing as much people away and then giving it to him for a one time just feels like how, how do we not have something like that with 40 million dollars on our power, on our
0: pp1 <laughs> yeah and just watching the transition from the first to the second it felt like in the first they were looking for quality shots and they just they never saw them, so they weren't taking any at mm-hmm. all. And that's why we saw the shot counter so low or, you know, they're missing the net or getting blocked or something. And then in the second period, it just seemed like, all right, let's just, like you said, move it around more and just get shots on net regardless. And then they, they just started shooting. And all of a sudden, it went from two shots on goal to 14 to, like, it's 14 to 12. They've caught right up. And, and you know, they're back in this game with two goals. So um, with that, like, this John Tavares goal was so fucking beautiful. Oh my god! The little fake, the the back and forth there, the backhand. Oh, it's fantastic! The captain so picking up, space. picking up his uh, second in a row there uh, to make it two to one. And like this is what I mean they 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 moved it around and managed to create an opening. Like you said, they they just catch Detroit in the wrong spot. Finally, instead of waiting for somebody to start something, they they created a chance. Like you said, like the the first period, it felt like you know, just standing there and watching and waiting like, okay, who's going to do something. Is Detroit going to make a mistake or is somebody going to move into a spot where they can be open? And, you know, you just gotta, you gotta make your own luck sometimes.
2: And be dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent.
0: Hopefully doke third period. Uh, We'll wrap it up and get to other things I wanted to talk about before we hop out of here. Uh, Pontus Holmberg tipping in Riley's shot. Like I mentioned earlier, and uh Tavares from Marner. Oh my god, this empty netter was just something of beauty. I know empty net goals are not anything to write home about, but sometimes it's not always easy. The build
2: up can be good. Yeah. The build up can be good.
0: Marner with that little little back I don't even know what to call it, like just kicks it with the, the heel as it's dropping down yeah. over to Tavares. Oh, it's beautiful. Magic Mitch. It's
2: like a kind of like a Raburna in, in in soccer or football kind of it was lovely though but I, yeah. I like the the Holmberg's positioning on that and uh I, I had to laugh and I'll shout out to, to Scott on the discord where I said you know, that Holmberg hit it with a b-stick because it was like the mm-hmm. tiniest of tiny little taps
0: <laughs> yeah honestly I would have been happy if uh, if Riley got one there but I'm glad it went in and olmer got one this is fourth on the season Riley picks up another assist making it 19 on the year and, um, Riley also played the most of all the defense tonight at 22 and a half minutes. So, uh, he's starting to reclaim his spot at the top there.
1: Yeah. A lot of it, uh, a lot of it getting back on the power play. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see him get going. There's nobody wants Mo to be in a rut or, or be on the guy. He's, he's the longest tenured leaf. He's been through, uh, hell and back with this team, um, so it'd be nice to see him get back into a groove, and that I I think, um, it's just it'll be a breath of fresh air when when Mo is Mo again, and we can see him go end to end, and he gets his he gets his legs under him. Um, that Pontus Holmberg goal, I I don't know what it is. I love that kid. That guy is just, um, just finding him six round draft pick, uh, and just adding him to this team. I think there was like a few people in the off season who were predicting this guy to potentially come in and fight for like a four C spot and that, and him kind of doing it. Um, I think he's now on pace. They haven't added his goal yet, but he'd be around 30 points in a full 82 game season. So for fourth line center, that's not too bad. And that's, you know, he's averaging probably about 10 minutes of ice time there, uh, with that as well. Yeah. Under 10 minutes tonight. So, not bad for a six-round pick there for Mister Dubis, um, producing of what could be a potential viable center in the future as well.
0: Yeah, him and Aston Reese and uh, and Hunt looked good together. Dylan Hunt thrown three hits tonight on uh, eight less than nine minutes of ice time, like. They they were effective out there. Like they're finally they've got a checking line that can put the puck in the net and can can be a pain in the ass. So it's it's nice to see finally they're they're getting a full identity and you know everything we wanted to see from the fourth line.
1: Yeah, I think Hunt there was um, he played, I I never never saw what came from it, but obviously Bunting missed a, a shift, um, and then Hunt joined with Matthews and Nealander. Uh, for a shift, but he just looked like he looked very lost on the play. He was um, yeah, well. he was just kind of skating around in, in the defensive zone and didn't know what side to go and where to go for a breakout with the guys. But um, uh, it was nice to see that after the first, that him and Zach Aston Reese really came in and kind of were being those firecrackers and those sparks that you need where it was dump it, let's get in on it. Um, I like watching Hunt play in front of the net. Like he's always just battling – doesn't matter the size of somebody, he's getting absolutely pummeled, and he's just okay. Let me get back up and get back in. It. He's a he's a bit of a workhorse there, so it'd be nice to see some uh, uh some upside come for him as well, and some hopefully some points and, and scoring
0: soon as well. Yep. Um, last thing on the game, I want to give a shout out to uh to Sammy who had some huge saves and uh at different points of this game, it easily could have been. You know, uh, a game that the Leafs were fighting to stay in the lead of here, but Sammy had some fantastic ones, making uh, 22 of 23 saves. And uh, the <laughs> the thing I I was looking at his time on ice here. I'm like 59-28. Why was he gone for 32 seconds? Oh yeah, because the Leafs had an absolutely dominant six on five delayed penalty there. Like that was crazy how long they were able to hold that and uh, and actually almost draw another penalty.
1: Yeah, it's it's great to see the Leafs do. Um... Uh, when situations like that pop up if they want to hold the puck they can hold the puck like you oh, yeah. you, they'll they'll move around they'll pass it it's funny they're creative there but not on power play but anyways we, we nice. were we, we've gotten enough into that we've got enough into that but um I guess now's not probably a good time to say I in my my league I traded John Tavares and Sam Sonov off my team uh that doesn't really pay me any uh any good dividends there um i did get zach hyman out of the trade Uh, i needed help on on wing but um and Tavares was hurting for me but it's nice to see this felt like vintage uh by vintage i mean earlier the season sammy where it was like oh there's a goal you know like maybe five shots or like okay what is he and then he settles and he settles in yeah. and he's calm and he knows where to be. It's a, it just feels like that. Oh yeah. He's going to give us one probably somewhere, you know, early on, but then he'll settle in and you'll, you'll feel confident with, with what he can do the rest of the game for us. In that.
2: You can't really blame him for conceding that goal either. Cause it's a breakaway one-on-one and, and you know, like I'm, uh, I guess it's t- it's tougher to do it. But after that, he was, he was brilliant. Some of the stuff he'd done There's a couple of times where he even jumped out and he was on his chest for a bit and then popped back up straight away. It was really good. Really yeah. pleased.
0: So uh, I want to talk about something that Jeff and uh, <clears throat> what's his name? Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman brought up on the second intermission there. Uh, this is about the all-star game. So some potential new events they're adding. So I want to know what you guys think of the first one up here, which is the duck dunk tank. So they were talking about having a player from, uh, I guess it would be two people are up. And then one of your teammates is on each uh, opposing person's uh, dunk tank. And you have to hit out a bunch of targets in order to drop the opposing player's uh, teammate into the water. So what do you guys think of this one? Is this something that you would like to see at all-star weekend? Uh,
2: totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think anything we can do to make All Star Week ex- a little more exciting—it's um, <laughs> it's already horrible with the voting format. So if you can introduce anything, it was very nice what they did in Vegas, where they kind of brought in and they went around on different areas in the strip, uh, and that to do some of this um, the event. So anything they can do to bring it up, it'd be nice to see if they could create storylines in it as well. Um, it was better when, you know, maybe the Kachucks weren't in the same uh, uh, the, the same conference, so then you could have Brady dunking Matt or Matt dunking Brady. Uh, you could still have Matt dunking Drew Doughty. That would be pretty fun uh, if he makes the All-Star game. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, anything fun that you can pull in, I, I'm for it.
2: I think the target market for the All-Star Game is the younger people. And if I was like 10 years old and I saw my favorite hockey player or the guy I didn't like getting dunked into the tank by an opponent, that'd be great. I'd love it. So it's about trying to meet your target market. And the All-Star Game is not about old people like me. Uh, It's about young kids getting involved in, in liking the game and getting to see people do cool things.
0: Exactly, and I, I think dunk tank is something like you said. It's for kids. This is what I re- I remember having at you know the fun fair at school where you get to dunk teachers yeah. and stuff. Like that's that's what it seems like to me. So, uh, it's a fun thing for people that are there. Uh, I don't know how well it'll translate to TV, like most things that the All Star game does. But it's uh, it's fun for people there, and I think that's what it's about.
1: It would it would uh, next... feel it would be better if they like pre recorded an event like that and played it. Like, they were able to cut it to maybe build a storyline versus, like, sometimes with these setups, you're just like, it just feels so weird the way it's like, okay, there's a pause here because of the setup. Um, if they wanted to, to entertain some of us adults, maybe throw Batman in the dunk tank? I don't know.
0: Uh, like, <laughs> the kids would be Ooh. like, what's this old guy
1: doing? And we're like, dunk him. <laughs> dunk him now.
0: <laughs> him and Bill Daly are the two, and it's, oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> So, um, no, you make a good point there. Um, I had something and I lost it. That's okay. Um, the next one is the the golf event. So this would be some sort of golf hockey thing. The details are not all out yet, but, I mean, it's Florida, so they have to, right? Like, that's that's kind of a given. Um, I just don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, they did the one in Vegas where they had, like, the, the saucer thing where you had to land it on the different, uh, pads, so I'm sure it's going to be similar than the to the fountain game. But um,
2: all you know. I can think of is Adam Sandler wearing a Bruins jersey and trying to putt with a hockey, like with a little golden hockey stick. I reckon that'll be it.
0: <laughs> right. We just need Carl Weathers there. Uh, yeah. Come on, we talked about this. So, it's,
1: so I, I wonder if they'll actually do it. Where um, maybe they play a couple holes of golf with hockey equipment. Um, I know Dude Perfect because they're all sports golf battle on YouTube where they like they play a hole of golf by using just different various sports equipment and maybe do something like that where it's like okay you get clubs or this and there's some sort of rules where they can actually maybe like play or compete against each other uh, as all these guys are big golfers typically too that with uh, when it comes to hockey players that's a given.
0: Um. So. I remembered what I was going to say before, when you mentioned about it being like pre-recorded, I think it's, it almost reminds me of like, you know, I don't know if you guys watch Saturday night live, but whenever there's the live things, then it goes to something that's a pre-recorded sketch. It always has, it plays a little better just because you have that ability to cut it up. And, and, you know, obviously it's, you know, not live takes, but I think if you could create something, that's almost like a reality show where you're, you're building these storylines around them, where there's like talking heads in between stuff, like when they're getting ready for, for different events, like, you know, Show the guys like not nothing like scripted, like, you know, they're playing stupid pranks on each other. But, you know, ask them like how they're practicing for these things and, uh, you know, get them shit talking each other in little talking heads to to get people more invested in the outcome of different events. Because like, you know, these guys have been talking each other up or down of how they're going to perform.
2: I think it also could help to reduce the downtime as well. Cause like set up and stuff for these dunk tanks and whatever could take a while. And, uh, with kids, the attention span is quite, quite low. So if you, if you have it like, you know, and now up Gary Bettman and, and the next it's, it's Frege and then blah, it would make it a lot easier for the continuity or flow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
2: all I could think of would be the biggest benefit,
0: but our no, golf would be fun. Um, uh... And no matter what they do, if it's like, you know, golf, <laughs> literally using golf clubs or if they're using, uh, um, I don't know, Ugh, I don't even know what it could be like, they are probably going to have to just hit it into holes from some platform teeing off. And I don't know, do you think they'll move up with it and like have to put it in? Or if it's going to be like, you know, just trying to hit it into holes from the same stationary platform.
1: I, w- I wonder if they do like a relay. Uh, where like one guy, you have to hit like longest drives that tally to a score, and then it goes to somebody who's got to do like closest to the pin, and then maybe somebody who like has to hit has to idea. hit some putts, and it's like how the old relays used to be, and they they do it that way, and it, you have a a tallied uh, team score.
2: That's a good idea, Chris. You should put you on NHL content. <laughs>
1: the hill i will die on is uh if if that sorry just if that ever came to fruition i want a winter classic on uh lake louise between the battle of alberta (laughs) and i want and i want in uh so same idea on the rideau canal battle of ontario
0: that would be fantastic i don't know is it wide enough anywhere oh there's there's
1: definitely spots that are wide enough to to fit a rink
0: yeah, I,
1: I, I don't know if it would be more so like, um, was it Lake Placid where there wasn't really much, much more so a fan thing as much as it would just be a recording, um, so it wouldn't be you would probably have stuff going on around it or or certain things where it's it's an event, but man, if they play, hey, if they played an actual game on like the Rideau Canal or, um, on Lake Louise, like that would just that would be, cherry on top.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking there's a spot they could do it where it would be between two bridges. So you'd have like the perimeter of the boardwalk and the bridges to watch it. But other than that, it'd be pretty hard to see. So yeah, it would have to be like a... Well, you could build some sort of stands, but yeah, it's going to mostly be a broadcast thing. Couldn't sell too many seats. I,
1: I'm sh- I'm sure it, the seats from uh, on top of the green monster into a hockey rink hockey is rink, probably <laughs> not the greatest <laughs> viewing spectacle either. So you could probably build some... some uh, uh, st- uh, I guess some stands on the side, and maybe build like your own little bowl up above, and then just keep the players on the ice.
0: Yeah, the Sens actually do have an arena that's uh, right out front of City Hall and uh, between City Hall and Confederation Park. That's beside the canal. It's like an outdoor one. So, I mean, even if they the obviously the canal, like picturesque wise, that'd be awesome. I'm just thinking of like logistically, if they wanted more people, there's another one. But yeah, it's a good idea. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, uh, I wanted to uh, bring up with you guys because we only kind of touched on it briefly on our last episode, but Dubas was spotted at the uh, Flyers Coyotes game. And uh, I want to know what you guys think of um, the potential of bringing somebody over from there, whether it's, you know, JVR from the Flyers or it's Chikrin from Arizona or it's, you know, Justin Braun in defense or it's, you know, who, who from these two teams do you like or think he could have his eye on? Chris, any you ideas? Think oh, I think uh, Pickens too expensive. I do. Jump in. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Pickens too, too
2: expensive too. Uh, I think we've kind of already gone through the, the Cody's roster enough to uh to see what talents there and stuff. I think we've kind of, you know, we kind of Nick Ritchie ourselves on that one.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah. So maybe maybe Chris, give a bit more insight than I do then.
1: I <laughs> uh, if I were to look at it, um, Arizona, uh, yeah, I. I think Chirkin's way too much. I would, I'd love him, but yeah, I think he's he's a bit up there. Um, but Lawson Kraus for me, um, uh, a lot of people saying obviously it's not someone that he would they would want to part ways with. But that being said, they also just parted ways with Christian Dvorak, uh, who was kind of on a similar contract, uh, roughly similar time frame. I think uh, he's got another year on it. Um, so he would be one, one of those potentials kind of second left wing position. Um, on top of that, maybe Christian Fisher from Arizona as well. Um, I think he's RFA control. I think he's like 20, uh, mid, mid 20s, I think early to mid 20s um, from Philly, though. Obviously, there's a lot of talk. A lot of people on Twitter would love me. Um, I don't know how that if that would work. I feel like that would be a very high price point. Uh, guy I... Connectney's
0: like, got two years after this one at five and a half. Yeah, he's
1: so he he carries a he carries a hefty cap hit. I find maybe just a little too rich for the Leafs. Another guy would be Scott Lawton. Um, so he's three million per. Um, I watched him play on the gens actually quite a bit, um, but he's a very like doesn't give a shift off. Is uh, one of those guys could definitely slide in and filling you know Kerfoot's contract coming off the books next year. Uh, and him potentially being out the door could definitely slide in as either a an upgrade on um on the third line for who can also produce some offense as well.
0: Yeah and being three million until the end of twenty six that's a really nice contract to to bring in to replace Kerfoot yeah. if that's the route they're going. I think that's a really good uh really good pick there. So uh Lucas what do you think?
2: Yeah where do you think the the biggest need is to acquire talent though? Because like obviously, you know Scoring is not an issue. Goaltending seems to be okay. Uh, when Riley was out, defense seemed to be all right. So wh- where do you think the biggest add value would be to acquire someone? I think...
0: I think... Oh, go ahead. No, no I was just going to say, I think at, at this point, it's less about filling a hole and more about just... You have the opportunity to just bring in an, an upgrade, right? Like, you've got a bit of cap space and you have some, some prospects that you probably don't need. So... You know, I think they're at a, an interesting opportunity here to just spend to upgrade just because they can, right? I don't know what you were going to say, Chris, but that's that's kind of my two cents on it. I,
1: I think the one thing is, is if I look at what we classify Leafs' third line as is probably Camp, uh, Kerfoot, and Ingvall. Um, yeah. While great defensively, when it comes down to all of a sudden we're Game 7 against Tampa again, and who's the guy scoring on us it's you know it's nick paul it's ross colton it's these guys in the bottom six who can still produce some offense and i think that's where maybe we can we can probably leverage a little bit more where who can produce a little more offense and um also in that sense uh still bring those defensive elements and so i i think that's where we could see an upgrade there plus with some of those guys is you're also looking contract post-term. So a lot of guys I think want to go after that big fish, especially on second left wing. I just think you need a Michael Bunting again. I think you need someone who can facilitate your two-star players already on that line and go and fish pucks and give it to them. I think Cali's done actually a great job of doing that over the last, uh, like 12 games he's been with that line. So I don't know if maybe you need him there, but if you go and get, Somebody like Scott Lawton, and you kind of you bring him in. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the trade is. You probably have to. You maybe move Kerfoot out to make the, the money work. Plus, you're gonna have him Lawton already locked up for three million for the next few years as he already slides in there. Or if you bring in another left wing, I kind of like. Um, I don't know if it would happen, but Kuzmenko out of uh, Vancouver. I don't know if he wants to resign with Vancouver with the tire fire that they are. So maybe you can trade. Maybe you can trade for him, slide him in a two left wing, and now all of a sudden, if you go get a guy like Scott Lawton, you've got Scott Lawton and Callie Yarncrock on your third line. So you- there you go. You already you're already kind of creating a better third line, and then you're pushing those guys like maybe you're pushing Dryden Hunt out of the lineup a bit, and that, and you're you know, it's just nice to have some depth scoring because if if that those top two lines dry up. It's just, can you really count on Engvall for a timely goal? I, I don't think he scored a playoff goal yet.
0: No, but I, I think Engvall and Kerfoot have improved over the last couple games. Like they seem to be generating a little more and and able to to finish. But I can't
2: I can't I, forgive I, Kerfoot for that drop pass in the last playoff series, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a long time, but I'm still traumatized by that.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree that, I mean, look, if they're going to upgrade anywhere, it's probably the third line because they don't have anybody who can finish there. I think Scott Lawton's a great pick. Like, I you know, I don't want to rehash everything you said. I think it was great. Um, The only one on the flyers that I would say just to be different and go to the defensive side, I think Justin Braun, because he only makes a million dollars for the rest of the year in case anybody gets hurt. I know we've gone through a lot of people on defense here, but. Um, just to have somebody that's got that's thirty five, kind of like a geo element to come in uh, on a cheap cheap AAV. Um, I think you can do him and somebody else. So if they're going to bring in lot and like try to bring in more than just him, um, I think it'd be nice to have another another right D. You know, maybe um, I don't know. They've had a, just the fact that they've had so many injuries. You just worry that something can get re uh, agitated. You know, between now and the playoffs. So it's, it's never bad to have too many serviceable defensemen.
1: Yeah, they've definitely talked about they miss the physicality that Muzzin brings. Um, they've brought it up, I think, on a few numerous podcasts as well. So having someone who is maybe that depth, I just wonder if you see you've probably got now, I think you have probably eight NHL defensemen. And then if you want to count Victor Mete as your ninth, in a very worst case scenario. It's a very healthy, yeah. healthy depth going in. I think Timmons has shown if realistically, if one of those guys have to move up on the right side, Timmons can definitely easily slide in. He has eight points in ten games as a leaf, um, and unfortunately, just due to what he offers, is is unfortunately the odd man out. Um, yeah, it's just I, I could see them bringing someone for physical, but you know what's the point in trading assets also in the same side too for. You know, uh, who did we get from Anaheim that one year? Who I, who, I think looked horrible and didn't even play, Ben Hutton. When we trade, it's um, like, oh, we had to trade a fourth for Ben Hutton. Like we just had to trade a fourth for him, and it was like, I, I think he got into like a few regular season games, and then that was it. Right, we have the depth there. We have our set guys. That's why I just, I think Siravelli has it out that the Leafs still look for a defenseman. Um, but I just, I. You pushing Gio out if it if it's just if it's just a seven eight guy, but you have Ben who's a seven eight guy, you have Timmons who's a seven eight guy, you have Mete, who's like an eight nine, right? And then we've seen guys worst case scenario we've seen Mac Hollowell come up and play like the, the he hasn't looked bad. If you need to shelter him, then you do, but
0: yeah I think it would just be about bringing a different like you said a physical element mm-hmm. in and just being able to give a night off to a guy like like Geo and switch maybe braun and geo out to to make sure that they both don't get worn out in the playoffs right because it's gonna be a lot harder on guys that are older and it's gonna be a lot harder on guys that are younger, which is I think where the most of the Leafs defense lies it's either they're they're really young or they're they're on the the top end of thirty like that's kind of the end that pulls the Leaf's average age up is they' their top, uh, like their bottom defenseman there. So like, yeah, Ben and Mete and, and Hollowell, like these guys can play, but you know, are, are they really like, do you want to have them in there against Tampa? Or do you want to have like people that, that have the experience and you can, you can keep them fresh and, you know, have a fresh geo one night and, you know, maybe he takes a puck and yeah, he's fine. And, and he can play through it or you can give him a, a game off and put Braun in there and, and they can both kind of bring the same element. Like, I mean, look, the injuries that you hear that these guys play through in the playoffs with—it's—it's it's never a bad thing. I—I I don't disagree that it's maybe not worth giving up um, a pick or or a prospect that they have. For sorry, I have a hair that is stuck on my lip and I cannot find it. It is so annoying. It's like I keep pulling. I'm like, yeah, it's gone. Oh my god, it's still there. Um, it might not be worth it. I just think it's—it's it's something that's probably cheap to acquire because it's an expiring million dollar deal on a guy who's 35 mm-hmm. and he's the right D. And I think it's something that. Um you know it's not bad, yes, especially on the race right I side. just want
2: someone that's I'd like someone that's a bit kind of antisocial I like the the Michael Bunting anti-social kind of everyone kind of likes to to hate him and we don't have anyone on the defensive side that that kind of does that role for us either so if we do acquire someone I'd like them to be a little bit physical but a bit more kind of pits you off because every, te- every good championship team has got that kind of one player that just kind of upsets the other people one or two people that just upset the other team for no particular reason apart from just their attitude. And, you know, I'm not saying um, being a bad person. I'm just saying it's the kind of the, their antics and behaviors kind of upset the other people and that puts them off their game.
0: Well, I feel like Lubushkin brought that last year. He was kind of the annoying yeah. defenseman that that always was starting shit. And we we lost that on defense. I mean, we've brought in people on the forward line and that have done that a lot more. But I think, yeah, you're right. The, the defense has been just... You know, just hard to play against, which is not a bad thing, but they're not annoying to play against. I think that's something that yeah. uh, we should bring somebody in to kind of just for for playoffs. You got to be annoying. That's all. I don't know. I don't want to be negative, Nancy here, but and then a niggle, I know how to
2: niggle.
1: I did see something out there, something about potentially Radko Gudas being an option.
0: I love Radko Gudas. Um,
1: you know, obviously, I think even I think a lot of fans love them. Uh, Zach Bogosian. I think he brought that exactly what we needed. Just the physical was like anti-social. He's not, not, he, you know, there's, there's reasons there why he's not, but, um, uh, you know, wasn't really a fan of the lockdown stuff and, that kept away whatever he wants here now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I definitely could see them adding that element. It's just. At what cost? I think it's all its all going to make sense at the end of the day, right? Um, I just don't see there's someone who's coming in straight into the top six that's pushing somebody out. That's the only thing I think from a trade, I don't think that that comes to fruition. Um, another, Yeah,
0: I mean, the only one I wanted to add is that we know that he went after Hagel last year, Dubas. Mm-hmm. So I just hope that if he's going to go for something, that it's, it's one of those swing for the fences off the top, like go for the, the person that everybody else is after and uh, and try to maybe spend a little more on it this time because i think it, it's definitely the end of the run for a couple people at the certain the the current contracts they're on right like you know bunting's going to have to be redone and you might lose a couple of these guys um in the off season and with how well things are working you know even better than last year i think dubas might might spend a little more at the deadline this year or just, i just i hope he does sorry to cut you off no
1: there. i I'm, i just i remembered another player um who might kinda of help on the forward side, adding some probably some size, especially to the team. Nick Bustad, uh in Arizona. Ooh, good one. Uh six six. He's got I think seventeen points on the season uh in thirty eight games. Uh can play. I think he's listed as a center and a right wing. So just a, another person where like Pontus Holberg is great and all that, but you know, we're playing a, a long matchup and over over the boards comes, you know, big rig and all that. So Maybe just someone to match up against, you know, those lines there. He, he's making 900k in Arizona right now, so
0: that's it. Eh? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, he's on it. To- yeah,
0: I think that makes sense. It's just, it's, it's tough to hear. You know, Nick Robertson's the name that I think might end up going for something if we, if we swing big on, on somebody. Just because, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out because of injuries and, and you know, not being able to crack into the spots in the lineup that he should be on um, not for lack of of chances, but you know, he's, he's just, it's been unlucky for him. You know, he broke his leg, he had mono. Now he's broken his collarbone or shoulder or whatever it is. So um, I feel like that's somebody that teams, if they're looking towards the future might want to add. Um, I, I don't know. What do you guys think is, is going to be the name that goes out the door? If we're, if we're swinging big like i mean there's there's knives, there's steves there's void there's like um hirvanen and Niemela. i mean i know beaner is probably screaming at me but like there there's a lot of these a lot of these guys that are, are kicking around and you know are we are we looking at 5 years from now uh like some of these guys are pushing 21 22 already like yeah i i, I don't want to
1: be like Rude or mean, but I'm I'm okay if, if Robertson goes out. I think um, with his, his freak injuries and, and how it might have hurt his development, I just don't see where the skill set he brings um, and what he has really fits on the team, uh, especially at this moment. I think you're going to see Nice make an impact next year. I think you're you're going to see Fraser Minton um, probably start in the AHL next year, but maybe make an impact the year afterwards. Um, and really jump in as a as a center spot, uh, Topi. Unless you're getting a now defenseman like similar to how they tra- how they traded Sean Derzy away for Muzzin. Unless you're getting something like that back in return, I I think he's off limits. Uh, I think Nyes is off limits. Ty Voight has been a pretty good story, um, being one of the top OHL scores. Um, actually, I think he might actually still be leading in points. For a six round pick, but yet again, we're looking at you're looking at a small winger. So, can he play a Hagel style game? You know, something you need in the in the top six or or sorry, in the bottom six. Because I I just don't know where those guys fit in. I think you have your star talent. You need you need buntings. That's what I mean. Buntings
0: is we have the star talent. We don't need these guys, and someone is going to pay for it. My worry with Robertson is that just currently his. His value might be down oh, yeah. because of all these injuries. Like I just I worry how low it is if it's even worth moving or if you wait and try and get him some ice time again and and then move him next year or the off season or something. But again, I feel like picks at this point might be a little less favorable to move than prospects. Just a because of the amount of contracts the Leafs are at, and B, um, I don't think the guys that they currently have are people that they're going to need in the coming near future. Like, I don't know. And the quality of picks
2: we have to offer as
0: well. Yeah. So. Fuck it. Okay, cool. So we got a game tomorrow night. Um unsure if we'll have the team back or if we're just going to delay a game. Pardon Moi, but uh, thank you for joining me, gentlemen. I appreciate you stepping in for the team. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, L- Lucas, what do you got? What time is it there? What do you got going on for the rest of the day?
2: Uh, it is, uh, 321 and it's 30 degrees. So so I'm going to go, uh, I think I'm going to go for a barbecue. I just went down at the end of the game and the start of the podcast, I went down to the shop to get a couple of lobster tails to celebrate. So I've got them. I'm going to put them on the barbecue later on for dinner. Yeah.
0: Geography is so strange, man. Like I, I get it, but just hearing it, things happening simultaneously, it just, it's so weird. It's eleven. My, uh, it's eleven twenty-two yeah, at night here, and I'm going go to go to bed after this. Like,
2: I was going to uh, treat you and my uh, my next door neighbor, who's a big bloke too, like me. He's probably a bit more muscly than me. He was mowing his lawn with his with sh- without a shirt on, so I thought you might enjoy that.
0: That <laughs> yeah, sounds like my dad. It's just. Uh... <laughs>
2: Yeah, look, that's that's my day. Just probably eat family time and and have a barbecue and uh, enjoy the next well eleven and a half hours of the victory. Yeah, until tomorrow.
0: Love it, Chris. Any plans for the game tomorrow night? The rest of the weekend?
2: Uh,
1: my wife and I have some maternity photos we got to take, so uh, that that's oh, uh, that's taking up majority of my day tomorrow, and then gear myself back for another work week. That's that sunday mental mindset is your first? this is my first yeah oh, Congratulations.
2: congrats yeah Gary. wow yeah
1: welcome to yeah the pub. she's uh she's 36 weeks so little guy little guy four, should be four, here four. be here shortly so
2: yeah have oh, you had man. any interesting uh, interesting requests to acquire items or food? I know that um sometimes they can get a bit particular in that way. No, you know what? She's she's
1: been alright. I think the only thing is she's like been a really big ice fiend. She just like wants to eat ice cubes all the time. Yeah. She just loves wow, yeah, she loves mowing ice cubes. I, I... that's cheap. That's a good it, <laughs> They
2: just love sometimes they love it. Yeah, yeah? They're
1: in the fridge, go <laughs> have a heyday. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man how many uh how many ice cube trays you got going at once right now oh
1: we got that we got the ice machine man <laughs>
0: oh you're set. A- a-
1: endless endless bucket <laughs> endless bucket
0: of ice you're set when you Ooh. said the fridge there i was like oh wait a sec that's yeah check checks yep. it out yeah Good on on behalf
2: of all female listeners as well, Chris, I got to let you know that the first nappy is actually the—it's the partner, like the male partner's responsibility. Yeah, because it's—it's completely gross. So that's what—that's what you, what, you got to take one for the team and, and do the first. It'll one, Be the okay? first diaper mm-hmm.
1: I ever changed too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a lot easier when it's your own kid, man.
1: <laughs> I just feel like yeah, with other kids, is just you got eyes on you, and parents do their their parents do their things their way. And if you do something different, all of a sudden, you yeah. go, wow what am I doing? It's my kid. I can mess it up. It's all right. I, I'm sure my, uh, yeah. I'm sure my wife will, will chew me out anyway. She'll be the biggest critic.
0: <laughs> oh man. well, yeah. that, but that, I guess uh,
2: a lot of people will give you advice, Chris. I guess the only advice I would give you is just to do what you feel is right. And, and always follow what you think is in your heart is the right thing to do.
1: So probably don't raise it a leaf fan. For- I was just going to
0: say goalies, go. <laughs> just <laughs> goalies just go. from a
1: mental standpoint, right?
2: <laughs> well, who, who else would you choose if it was a Canadian team? No, you know? Nobody. I'm just... <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Thank you again, gentlemen. We are out of here for tonight. Remember to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Join our Discord. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, where can they find you, Chris?
1: Uh you can find me on Twitter at chris underscore hurley ten.
0: And Lucas, can people find you anywhere anymore? Yeah, yeah, I'm still on Twitter. I tried to tag you, and it wouldn't—it didn't show up.
2: Really? Oh, it's maybe you're doing my name around the wrong way or something. Because, um, yeah, I'm not sure. But one of my accounts got suspended because I was—I was trying to stand up for someone who was being abused.
0: Well, uh, yeah. yeah, as Twitter goes. So, what's your handle now?
2: It's uh, Hainsworth Lucas. That's so why. So my last name first.
0: Name. I screwed yeah. it up. My bad. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Later. Oh, Let's see if this thing's gonna work.
2: Thanks for listening to these late nights.
0: I got it. Look at that.
2: <laughs>
1: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. I was trying to look to see what was going on back there.
2: Mm-hmm.